All right, good morning, everyone. It's time for episode 81 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Uh, let's start with the association playoff action from last night. We had game six between the 76ers and the Hawks. So we will have a game seven on Sunday at 8 p.m. The 76ers win the game 104-99. Seth Curry, 24 points. Trey Young had a double-double, 34 points, 12 assists for the Hawks. Um, wow, this game really looked bad for Philadelphia to start because Atlanta just came out smoking hot. Um, you know, then, you know, Philly crawled back in it. Um, they took over in the uh, second half. Um, it, it was really a back and forth game. But what I did notice is that Trey Young, um, he stepped up his game. I mean, I'm not saying that. That no one else on the team did, but the shots for those guys weren't falling when they needed to, and he really needed some help. And again, you know, and that's kind of how basketball goes. You know, it, it's one thing if no one is producing, but you know, his teammates were doing what they need to do. They just couldn't get the shots to fall. And Philly, they just um, they they fought hard. They made shots. Um, everybody kind of stepped up when they needed to. And so now we go to game seven in Philadelphia, as I mentioned. Uh, it'll be Sunday night, uh, 8 p.m. on TNT. West Semis game six, uh, L.A. Clippers over the um, Utah Jazz, 131-119. Uh, so uh, Clippers win the series four games to two. Terrence Mann goes for 39 for the Clippers. Donovan Mitchell goes for 39 for the uh, Utah Jazz. So game one, the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers will visit the Phoenix Suns uh, one, uh, Sunday at 3.30 on ABC. So we get a nice doubleheader game one of the Western Conference Finals, and then we get a game seven of the East Semis. Tonight, our first game seven from the other Eastern Semifinal. That will be uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee. So that game will be in Brooklyn tonight at 8.30. Um, Milwaukee um, won Thursday night, 104-89 to tie the series. Chris Middleton went for 38, 10 rebounds and five assists for the Bucks. Kevin Durant, another uh, you know another good game, although he had a sensational game a few nights before that. He goes for 32 points, 11 rebounds and three assists for the Nets. This one I've been thinking hard about. I, I mean, I've been talking Milwaukee for a while, seriously. Um, although as, you know, once the season started and we saw how, you know, Brooklyn built their team, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a team that, you know, looks destined or, you know, built to win. Now with, uh, you know, Harden, he, he's kind of getting there, but I don't think he's quite a hundred percent. Kyrie's out. I think I'm gonna have to go back with Milwaukee on this one. I think Milwaukee's going to pull this one out. I mean, I've been liking the way. Uh, Chris Middleton specifically, I think I mentioned him on a few occasions throughout the playoffs. I've been liking the way he's been playing. He's really stepped up his game. I mean, he's been good all season, but he's really stepped up his game in the playoffs. And I think I'm going to go on a limb here and I think he's going to have a big night tonight. So we'll see how all that kind of just goes down um, moving forward as we go into game seven tonight. Um, staying in the NBA, um, let's go through the coaching carousel. Oh, that's right. And there were also awards, too. Um, 
So let's see, was it LaMelo Ball is the rookie of the year? They announced the All-NBA teams. I don't know them off the top of my head. However, they it took them forever to announce the rookie of the year. I mean, I was surprised that, you know, they were you know, waiting on this or they took their sweet time to figure out who's going to win this thing. But congratulations to him on that. Um, coaching carousel. So I'm going to go through these because my question to you is who do you think which team do you think has the best job available with all these openings? All right, so let's start here. So Stan Van Gundy, after one year, he's out in New Orleans. Um, so then there's the word on the street that Zion is unhappy in New Orleans. So now people are kind of talking like, well, you know, would he make a you know great home in Brooklyn? I'm, I'm sorry, and well, in Manhattan, rather, <laughs> because people are thinking, hmm, could we trade him to the Knicks? Again, I know Knicks fans are thinking it. People are talking, but let, let's, you know, let's see what happens here. I mean, anything can happen, we know. But, I mean, that that possibility has been really bubbling at the surface for a few days now. Uh, after nine years, Terry Stotts was, is out in Portland. So I believe he was probably the, I believe he was the first uh, coach outside of Brad Stevens. We know he got promoted up, um, and that's another opening. But I think Terry Stotts was the first coach to be fired um, after their playoff run ended, then that pulls into question, you know, what does that team look like? Okay, you know, uh, what happens to Dame Lillard? I think Dame Lillard, he's out of there. I think that team just gets blown up and just they, they retool that thing. I mean, but you know Dame, the kind of competitor he is, as hard as he plays, you know he's going to be looking and talking. I think he's going to make a move, and, and there's so many possible places he could go. Um, I mean, I don't even want to think about it, to be honest with you. I think I've seen people talk about Los Angeles. Which I'm going, okay, I don't know about that. But um, some people talk Knicks. Um, I'm trying to remember some other teams people mentioned. But there have been some talk about, you know, where he could end up. So that's another little interesting tidbit that um, could, you know, will probably develop as we go forward because, you know, the playoffs are still the big story. And I think – you know, as we get closer to um, the NBA, I think what the NBA, I think the NBA has a combine or something similar to it. As we get close to that, um, as we get close to um, the draft, and I think the draft lottery is coming up. I feel like it's in a, I want to say it's Monday or Tuesday. As all these pieces start to fall into place, and everyone's going to start jockeying for position, and then we're going to have our mock drafts. Then it comes into play. Okay, where are all these free agents going to go? Because as soon as this thing ends, you know that they're going to start talking about uh, free agency and um, and you know making trades and different things for different um, spots in the draft. So again, another interesting storyline to keep your eye on. Um, Scott Brooks is out in D.C. after five years, so part of that was um, um, Scott Brooks and the uh, general manager of the Wizards had been trying to negotiate contracts for a while. They could not come to a, a, a solution. They hit an impasse. And so Scott Brooks is gone after five years. So, again, another team that they're trying to keep as much as their core intact as possible. You know, what's Bradley Beal going to do? That's been the big question all season that still continues to be the big questionable dog the uh, dc franchise um in the offseason 
Uh, Nate Borkren is out in Indiana after one year. So Stan Van Gundy and Nate Borkren only get one year in their respective jobs. Um, I mentioned Brad Stevens. He is up to take over for Danny Ainge. So there's an open spot uh, in Boston. And it's interesting that with Boston, there are three names that have come up. Uh, Darvin Ham. So I believe he is a uh, assistant with Milwaukee, I believe. Uh, Chauncey Billups and Iwe Udoka. Now, my money has been and still is on Chauncey Billups. I think he would make a phenomenal coach. I think he just needs an opportunity. And so we'll see, you know, how that how, how that pans out. Now, those are three names that have popped up. I feel like, you know, there's probably a lot of candidates Boston is looking at, but those three names have kind of emerged as some front runners uh, to take over for Brad Stevens in Boston. Um, Steve Clifford is out after three years in Orlando. That was another mutual parting of the ways. You know, um, uh, he had been talking with their GM for some time. They just couldn't, you know, find a way forward to make things better for that franchise. So he, um, they mutual parted um, for, in that regard. Um, <clears throat> Nate McMillan, he still got his interim tag on. Um with the with the job that this team's doing, even if they lose uh, on Sunday, Nate McMillan should be the new head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. I just think it'd be ridiculous not to give this man a contract. So keep your eye on that situation. Rick Carlisle, the big story a couple days ago, Rick Carlisle, after 13 years in Dallas, he resigns as head coach. So that kind of makes the coaching pool a little interesting because 13 years in Dallas, uh, a world title, you know, Rick Carlisle is going to end up somewhere else. The question is where. So I think he's gonna, you know, kind of take his time. You know, I'm sure he's got garn is garnering or will garner interest from other teams who are looking for a head coach, and Rick Carlisle will end up probably somewhere else. I mean, looking at all these, uh, looking at all these openings. I mean, again, it's hard to say because we're still trying to figure out how everything's gonna fall from a personnel standpoint. You know, you don't want to just make this decision um, not knowing your personnel situation as far as your players. So again, that's going to be a, a work in progress. Um, in addition to Dallas, Donnie Nelson resigns as the vice president and general manager. So Dirk Nowitzki has been uh, hired as a special advisor to the team. He will assist with the hiring of a new general manager. So I think the process will be and typically is new general manager and then new head coach so it's going to be interesting to see how all that will fall for the um, for the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Um, let's see. Trade news. The Celtics, speaking of the aforementioned Celtics a couple minutes ago, the Celtics trade Kemba Walker to, to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a second-round pick in 2023. So Boston. So one of the things that people pointed out that this is unusual timing for this trade, but what Boston is trying to do is they're trying to shore up their roster. So by moving Kemba Walker, and I forget the numbers here, but I want to say somewhere in the tune of what, 71 million, something to that regard, um, by sending him, making the trade, um, they get some financial flexibility to sign players and they also have that financial flexibility to retool their roster because they want to re-sign people like Jalen Brown. They want to re-sign um, uh, Jason Tatum. So, um, you know, 
and really, I think the timing was deemed as unusual because it is so close to the point in time where scouts will begin to do more evaluation of talent prior to the NBA draft, which is not far from now, not long from now. I think the NBA draft is somewhere around the end of the month or early July. So the date again escapes me, didn't write it down, but you know, you've got the Googles, you know, you can use them for yourself and figure this out. Um, WNBA. So one game from last night, uh, the Phoenix Mercury beat the LA Sparks 80 to 66 to end a four game losing streak. Scouter Dickens Smith, 21 points for the Mercury and Erica Wheeler lit the Sparks with 17 points. Um, the current Commissioner Cup standings for the WNBA, um, East, uh, UConn's at 4-1, Chicago's at 5-2. and two. On, In the West, Seattle's at 5-0, and oh, and Las Vegas is at 3-1. and one. So if you remember, the Commissioner's Cup will be the top two teams in those Commissioner's Cup standings will play each other during the Olympic break for the commissioner's cup and financial compensation so there it's uh, each team gets so much money each player gets it's a pool of money i forget the amount but each player gets a certain amount um the mvp of the game gets their cut plus an additional 10 to fifteen thousand. so um this ought to be fun to watch um and i think there will be an all-star game i feel like it's uh, no, no, I'm thinking about something else. Anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> so um, that's it for basketball. Um, let's go to tennis. Uh, Naomi Osaka withdraws from Wimbledon. Um, so she said that she'll be taking some personal time to be with family and friends. Um, so this is the $64,000 question that everybody was trying to figure out. Um one of the first signs that she probably would be withdrawing from Wimbledon was she withdrew from the Berlin WTA 5000 grass tournament. So essentially one of so prior to Wimbledon and prior to any tournament for that matter, they typically have what we call tune up tournaments. So if you are familiar with the way the Grand Slams are set up, the Australian and U.S. Open are hard courts. The French Open is clay and Wimbledon is grass. So typically they will have tournaments that are similar in the um, surface that the players will be playing on in the major. They'll have a number of tune-up tournaments leading up to that tournament. So prior to the French Open, players went to Rome and I think Rome for one, and there's another tournament that it's a specifically a clay court tournament. So they use that to kind of prepare and, and play uh, to get ready for the tournament. So she withdrew from that tournament. Uh, Wimbledon starts in two weeks, so that will be June 28th. Um, so prior to, um, I guess this announcement, Wimbledon officials had been in contact with her. They've been talking to her about the media operations that will be occurring, uh, during the tournament. Um, it, it's funny to me how the, the grand slams have come back. So after, you know, Naomi Osaka withdrew from, um, the French Open, and then they kind of had to feel like they had to come back three or four times to defend themselves. Well, we did these things and yada, yada, yada. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, why are you defending your position? Honestly, I think that you could have done more. I honestly think that, you know, and I mentioned this in a episode, one of, my, one of the Wednesday conversation episodes, that, you know, the Grand Slams have a they have a framework in place for saying you know if players need mental health assistance here's what we do 
So if, and my understanding is, if you under, if you knew the situation prior to this, you reached out to her, then instead of reaching out to her to say, look, we're going to find you, it's like, okay, look, here's the consequence, but here's here's the resources. So I don't ever remember them mentioning resources available to her to assist her because if that were the case maybe this whole situation could have just been avoided and maybe she could have maybe taken the additional time off maybe you know gotten the help that she needed and maybe continued that break through Wimbledon I don't know I mean again I don't know what the the rules of expectation are you know she's the number two player in the world um you know I think by you know, pushing her out of the tournament more so because of the rules. Um, you know, no disrespect to the finalists in the tournament, but I mean, by the time we got to a final, there were no big names. But now you have someone who's won a Grand Slam, and they are now going to be someone that's going to be considered someone who will be seated in a possible um, um, a contender at Wimbledon. Nevertheless, um, this this whole situation, I think, has just gotten even more muddy. But again, I say to Naomi Osaka, you know, I'm so happy that, you know, again, she's doing what's best for her. And I think that's the most important thing here outside of all the, you know, all the politics associated with this, because, you know, they're going to be politics regardless. Um, she did state that she will play in the Olympics. So. She's going to you know, take the time off. So I'm assuming she's going to be all for a while getting uh, geared up for the Olympics. Um, on the men's side, Rafael Nadal has also withdrawn from Wimbledon and he will not participate in the Olympics. He said that he um, you know, just wants to you know, rest his body. So um, we won't see Rafael Nadal again probably until the U.S. Open, which will start at the end of August. All right. Um, next up. Um, we're going over to the world of golf. Um, U.S. Open is this week. So after two rounds, they've played uh, 36 holes of golf. Your leader is Richard Bland of England. He's at five under. Uh, he went four under in yesterday's round. So the uh, U.S. Open this year is being played at the South Course and Torrey Pines outside of San Diego. So um, I have to kind of remember that that the start times that they show will be dependent upon you know the, the difference in time zones so again i think they'll start this morning at 10 eastern so it'll be 7 a.m on the west coast i think nbc will be broadcasting the um the u.s open um so rounds three today round four tomorrow will be on nbc bryson DeChambeau, the defending champion he's currently at even par so he made the cut which was at plus two um Phil Mickelson, I believe he is also at plus, he is at plus three. So he is, um, this is his home course. Um, and I think in a previous episode after he won the PGA, I talked about how, you know, this is kind of a homecoming for him. This is the only major he hasn't won. And I talked about he's got the home field advantage and well, looks like I was wrong. Um, so there was a whole article where, where Phil talked about, the fact that the course has changed tremendously. So um, there was significant um, renovation done to the course. And thus, because of that, 
Um, the course doesn't play the same way it does. It also was renovated in order for the U.S. Open to be awarded to Torrey Pines, which it was. Um, and this was done several years ago. But uh, Phil Mickelson has been extremely critical of the changes made to Torrey Pines. And and I believe it's, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name. He's a famous golf course designer. But nevertheless, he has responded to the criticism by saying, you know, hey, I understand, you know, golfers play by memory and feel hey if he hates what i did it's all good he's not offended but again uh at plus i'm sorry he's at plus yeah he's a plus three plus three plus three plus three but uh no he's a plus two i'm sorry because he had to be a plus two anyway he where is he at plus two he made the cut but he's got a lot of work to do. He's about six shots off the lead, and he's got 36 holes to at least try to make it interesting if he wants to win his second major in a row and to complete the career slam. All right, so when we come back, we'll talk a little bit of college sports, and then we'll talk about um, a pioneer in the world of gymnastics is getting a um, honor that was, I feel, a little bit past due. Stay tuned. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You also can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back. So real quick, I forgot to go over the WNBA scoreboard for the weekend, so Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Today, 2 o'clock, the sun will visit the sky. So that game is on CBS from what I'm seeing. That's weird. Um... Tonight at 7, the Fever will visit the Mystics in D.C. That is the Commissioner's Cup game. And in the 8 o'clock game, the Minnesota Lynx will visit the Dallas Wings. Uh, speaking of the Lynx, they are going to be a little bit more shorthanded. Uh, they will lose Natalie Achanwa and Ariel Powers to injuries. So Ariel Powers recently had surgery on her ulnar collateral ligament in her thumb. That would be her right thumb specifically. She's out indefinitely. Uh, Natalia Chanwa has a MCL sprain in her right knee. The Lynx are currently five and six in the five and six record. Um, Nafisa Collier, her return has helped to stabilize the team, but um, they've you know going to be a little more shorthanded without um, Chanwa and Powers, and we hope they get well uh, very soon. Um, Let's go into college sports. So three notes from college sports. The College World Series starts today in Omaha, Nebraska. So your participants, Texas, the Texas Longhorns make their 37th trip. So they are first all time in appearances in the College World Series. Arizona, the Tennessee Volunteers who last visited Omaha in 2005. The defending champs, the Vanderbilt Commodores, have, have returned to Omaha, Mississippi State. Stanford, the Stanford Cardinal, have not been to Omaha since 2008. So we welcome back Stanford because they have been for a long time uh, a, a pretty regular uh, visitor to Omaha. NC State and Virginia round out the uh, participants in this year's College World Series. So as uh, two games today, two games tomorrow. So it's a double elimination format. So we'll 
play until there are two final teams and they'll play a best of three championship series uh, in about a week or about two weeks from now. Um, The college football expansion plans. I talked about this in the previous episode, episode 80, but this expansion plan seems to have accelerated in its movement. This expansion plan will be presented on Tuesday in Dallas to 11 university presidents and chancellors. So the, 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 the committee, the committee that is developing this expansion plan are made up of Jack Swarbrick, who is the uh, athletic director at Notre Dame and the other commissioners of the uh, of the uh, other uh, commissioners of the conferences um, who play football at this level. This committee will ask the presidents and chancellors for feedback and to allow them the ability to assess the new format that they're talking about. So as I mentioned, they're expanding to 12 teams, which as I think I talked about in the last episode, there are are plenty of people who don't want the college football playoff to expand, period. I understand the argument. I've always been of the mindset, expand it to eight and stop. They're expanding to 12. This is bad. I don't like that. Okay. However, if the university presidents and chancellors approve this, then the committee will go back. They'll work out the details of the new format, and then they'll present their outcomes in September. So they'll work on this all summer if this is approved. So again, right now, we're moving towards a possible expansion but as i mentioned last episode this won't happen for a number of years if this is approved but we still got to get past the university presidents and chancellors so we'll see how it all goes maybe they'll be smart enough to say this is a terrible idea (laughs) um or they'll say let's go back to the drawing board or i don't know how this is going to work but we'll kind of keep an eye on this and we'll talk about it um when it happens and we'll see where it's going to go from here um, last note from college college sports. Uh, rest in peace to Jim Phelan. So he passed away, uh, I think, a few days ago at the age of 92. He was the head coach at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland for 49 years. He won 830 games during his tenure. Um, when Mount St. Mary's was in playing basketball in Division II, they went to the Division II tournament 14 times. They went to the Final Four five times and were the 1962 national champions. When Mount St. Mary's moved to Division I basketball, they went to the NCAA tournament twice in 1995 and 1999, and Coach Phelan was inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2008. Um, He was a a legendary figure in Emmitsburg. Uh, When he arrived there, uh, he was only expected to stay a few years, but the story goes he loved the town, Loved the school. He stuck around, and 49 years later, Hall of Famer. I think he wore a, a bow tie on the sideline, so one of his trademarks. Um, so, again, he will be uh, missed and mourned. They will be having a memorial service for him uh, in the next few days. But rest in peace to uh, Coach Jim Phelan. Um, lastly, before we go, um, I want to talk a little bit about gymnastics, so kind of more so on the Olympic sports side. Um, a few months ago, four months ago, to be exact, Diane Durham. So she was the first black gymnast to win the senior championship. This is about 38 years ago. Um, she passed away 
four months ago at the age of 52. Um, she will be inducted into the USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame. So after her passing, the members of the 84 team petitioned the, um, the Hall of Fame committee to consider her induction, and they did so. Um, Diane Durham is a legend uh, from the standpoint of a pioneer, being a pioneer. Um, so I kind of had to do a little bit of reading up on this, but um, she won back-to-back junior national championships. So in 1981 and 1982. And at that point, she moved to Houston to train with Bella and Martha Caroli. In 1983, she won the senior national titles I mentioned, and in doing so, she beat Mary Lou Retton. So we all know Mary Lou Retton. We all know her story. And she was the last person to beat Mary Lou Retton head to head. So that's saying a lot about her as an athlete, as a gymnast, and also as a pioneer. Um, Now, she was not on the 1984 Olympic team. Injury, so she injured her ankle during qualifying, and then because of the injury, there was a. And I'm trying to make sure I kind of explain this so it makes sense. So there was a rule that Bella Caroli was trying to use to get her an exception to qualify for the team because she was injured during qualifying. Um, the way it worked out was the way the rules were explained that she had to be in like the top eight finishers to qualify for the team. And I don't believe she was in the top eight finishers. So injuries and per the article I read, the weird politics and rules kept her off the 84 team. Um, but it says a lot about the 84 team that they, petition to get her into the hall of fame i feel like you know i wanted to talk about this guy i feel like it's one of those situations where it's like what took so long i mean she you know did so many great things um in gymnastics she was a pioneer as being you know as i said the first black gymnast to win the senior championship um even before her there was a black gymnast her name's lucy collins she made the 1980 team but if you know or recall the 1980 team boycotted the Olympics because it was held in then Soviet Union. So Lucy Collins made the team, but was not able to compete for a medal. Um, so uh, I believe qualifying is occurring now or has occurred, but her sister and husband will accept her Hall of Fame award. Um, but again, this was just to me, as I read this article, I'm going like, why did it take this long? I mean, um, you know, she passed away four months ago. I mean, it's like it, it just it just really sucks that, you know, she had to leave this earth for her to get her flowers. And so I think that's kind of the big life lesson is, you know, make sure that, you know, you give people their flowers while they're here. And, um, you know, it'd been nice to have seen her to seen her. It would have been nice to see her accept the award or you know, to accept the award. But again, um, it is a beautiful posthumous honor nevertheless and uh, i congratulate um her family for um this honor um but let's look at the big picture here so there was lucy collins who i mentioned who made the 80 team 
Durham, who couldn't make the 84 team due to a lot of different crazy things. But then look at the look at what she did as far as, you know, we always say, you know, this person crawled so others could walk. So with Lucy Collins, with Diane Durham, they gave us Betty Aquino. They gave us Dominique Dawes, who both won bronze in Barcelona. Dominique Dawes went on to win bronze in 96 and be a team gold medalist. Gabby Douglas, who was the all-around champion in 2012. And of course, Simone Biles, four-time Olympic gold medalist. So it's, you know, we, we talk so much about legacy and about standing on great shoulders and, and being guided by those before us, you know, so there a lot of folks had to go through some stuff, good and bad, in many cases bad, in order to ensure that the future is bright for the rest of us or to kind of go to what I've talked about on this podcast with talking about Dawn Staley to kind of pivot to her. She talks so much about representation and this is another great example of that, this idea that, you know, you see, you know, you know, if these young ladies see someone in front of them who looks like them, who's doing great things, then they know and they are encouraged that they can do great things as well. And so, um, as I said, congratulations again. I just wish this honor had come a lot sooner and we would know her story um, a little bit earlier and we were able to kind of give her her flowers while she was still here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so uh, thank you for listening. So uh, it's been a crazy week for me. And uh, (laughs) so we'll hopefully get back on schedule next week. And uh, for another few weeks here, I'm hoping I can at least continue to bring you some shows at least through the end of the NBA season. And then I'll probably take a little little time away. Um, Hopefully be back on for the start of college football season, but we'll see how it goes. But I've got some more um, Wednesday conversations planned out. I'm hoping to get those um, going. I got one next, this coming week, actually. I got one this coming week. So um, that's going to be a night, a cool one. So I hope you'll tune in for that. So be on the ready, be on the lookout for that. So until then, um, you know, I just had another thought, but um, because I was in the show with with my, you know, talking about vaccination. But, um, you know, another NFL player had some, uh, you know, Cole Beasley is talking about, you know, not getting vaccinated. And, you know, it's kind of like last show I talked about Montez Sweat and, you know, his comments to me were more just out of ignorance because you just sat through listening to a leading immunologist tell you how this thing works. Cole Beasley, I think this is just kind of more, you know, I'm going to do what I want because, you know, I'm a white guy and I'm just going to go with the politics of the day. And regardless of where the information is coming from, regardless of the messaging, it's still poisonous messaging. Um, You know, I feel like, you know, if you're going to be in the spotlight And if you're going to be that hopelessly ignorant, um, you're not doing anyone any service. You're you're to me, Cole Beasley's comments are self-serving. They're not making they're they're not doing any good, in my opinion, 
But that's all I'm going to say about that because, again, we're still stuck in this whole, you know, you know, oh, I'd rather get COVID than take the vaccine. Again, so what you're telling me is you like playing Russian roulette. That's what you're telling me because, again, if if this were any other virus, this would be a little bit different. But, But COVID as a virus does not play by the standard viral rules. And so, again... If you like playing games with your life, hey, and and kind of to his point, you're free to do what you want. But as I tell you, as I end the show, because of comments like that, because of attitudes like that, continue to protect yourself, continue to social distance, continue to wear your mask. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, there's so much good information out there. Find good information. Ask questions. Be open. And if you don't want to, if you get informed, you don't want to. That's one thing. At least you got the information. But if you listen to the information, it makes sense to you. You feel like it works for you from a health standpoint, because, again, you have to consider your health as well. But if you have no pre-existing conditions, then please, please, please get vaccinated. Continue to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Thank you. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Um, hopefully be back at you on Monday, wrap up the weekend and look at the week ahead. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and the sports that are associated with it. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.